Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today's episode is presented by Lloyd's Banking Group. Everyone deserves a safe place to call home. That's why Lloyd's Banking Group has championed the social housing sector for decades, supporting more than 340 housing associations across the UK. Hey everyone, this is the ghost of Ryan Heath, political editor of Politico Europe, and you're listening to the number one EU politics podcast. Now, I'm not really a ghost, I'm just on honeymoon, and I recorded this over the weekend before taking off for sunny Mexico. So while you're listening, I'm sipping a cocktail somewhere by the beach, and I hope you're having fun too. This week's episode is a great one. The podcast panel issues the Tajanis. They're our very own golden statuettes named after Antonio Tajani, the iconic president of the European Parliament. He's going to love the fact that we're honouring him in this way. And I can just hear his media advisor shouting at me now, and that alone makes it all worthwhile. For the feature interview, it's a double bill this week of Ai Weiwei, the Nobel Prize winning dissident and artist, in conversation with Carles Puigdemont, who is hounded by the Spanish state, and they talk about what it is like to be a dissident. Let's hear from Puigdemont and I now. You've had very interesting overlapping experiences um, in some quite unusual ways. And the struggles that each of you have been involved in are very long and intensely emotional as well as political struggles. So I thought maybe we should start with some of those personal reflections, the reflections on the emotional, not just the purely political. And I would ask each of you, what does it feel like to be imprisoned, to be hunted, and to have those biggest most powerful forces in your own uh, respective worlds allied against you? Does it cause you to break down? Does it cause you to question your relationship with your country and your people? You gradually realize the authority would do anything to make your voice disappear or, you know, to silence you. I think through years of struggle, it gives the meaning to the struggle, actually. Oh, of course, the prison is in human condition. It's difficult. It's hard. But still, it gives the meaning. Once I was arrested, it's easy to fall in a kind of depression. You are alone. You have no contact with your family. You don't know what will go on with your life. But you must decide to be not only to be strong but also to transform the prison as a tool for fighting. Immediately, I start to write. To write. Also to limit the natural hate you feel. It's normal. It's a human feel. But you need also to fight against the temptation of hate. And my tool for prevent to fall in that kind of sin and wish feel was to write and to broke all the papers that I brought. 
picking up on that point, do you feel you're better able to express yourself now? Uh, a, are you a better artist? Are you a better writer as a result of this experience? Is there good that comes out of the pain and the persecution? For me, life is a journey. You know, you cannot cut off one part to see that part is. Uh, so it's continuity. And uh, of course, when you are being very different circumstance, prison or Germany or here, we're discussing those issues, that is always added to our new experience. And that gives us possibility to develop our thought, our beliefs. So, of course, it benefits for me, you know, it's a learning process. Yes, uh, I agree with that idea. I, I agree with the idea to learn along your life. And all experiences, mainly the best one, are very important in order to keep lessons to learn. And I rediscover the power of poetry during the days in jail. I start again to write some poems. And I don't know if I'm a better writer or not. I don't know, but I want to be a better human being, a better person. And to be a political prisoner, how does that affect your relationship with your country? In a way, when you have to flee or when you are rejected by that power system, it makes you a kind of satellite orbiting around everything you knew or that defines you. How does that change you internally? Well, as you know, I am a free man. I have the freedom to travel around the world except one place in the world called Spain. It's quite strange for me to have the freedom to movement. I was after my four months in conditional freedom in, in Germany. I traveled to Switzerland, to Scotland, to Holland, to Faroe Island, to Denmark. And uh, I'm not allowed to travel to my home. It's very strange for me because I never in my life has expected to be at that position, to offer benefits of that struggle for our goal, to decide our future. But of course, you miss your family. You miss your skyline or your, your heritage, your cultural heritage. Because they remain in Catalonia and Girona. Yes, they remain in Girona. When you go to sleep, you are alone. And when you wake up, you are alone. And my rule is, every day that I wake up, I'm saying, this is my last day in exile. That is not realistic, of course, but that allows me to continue fighting, to not accept my situation as a definitive situation. Well, my case is, uh, is a bit different. Since I was born, my father was being sent to exile. He was a poet and uh, he has been criticized as enemy of the party. So I grew up in the situation I never feel there's a location I belongs to because uh, the whole surrounding in that time is against you, is see you as enemy. So I only till very late to this moment, I realized how important that experience is to me. Um, because it really equipped me as an individual and, you know, there's no way for me to back off. And, you know, I don't have this kind of sentimental feeling. Mm -hmm. But I never imagined I will be put in the same condition as my father. Mm -hmm. My father was 20, 
one years old, he was arrested by nationalists, put in jail for six years for subversion of state power. But after 80 years, I can never imagine I will be accused of the same crime. And, you know, as an artist, I don't know how do you be subversive to state power. Of course, I have very different opinions, different attitudes, different behaving. But why is those things being considered so dangerous to authoritarian society? Of course, it takes a while for me to understand. And the, the current president of China is the son of a man who spent a lot of time with your father. Uh, um, his father. Yeah. His father is um, with the same group of the revolutionary mm-hmm. as my father in the same location called Yan'an. You know, there the group established the government in 1949. So this quite fate is very ironic. It is a, a terrible poetry, but there's something poetic about that. Uh, maybe to turn a little bit more to the directly political now, we hear a lot, we talk a lot in Europe these days about concepts like rule of law, and we have words used in those discussions a lot like dialogue and the importance of dialogue. But I wanted to ask each of you, and maybe you're feeling it most directly at the moment, Carlos, about where the obligation to comply with the law and rule of law ends, and where does injustice require that you do something to defy either the law or the people who say they are enforcing it? Well, the rule of law is the basis of the democratic system, of course, but you must never forget that one of the bases of the democracy is the wish of the people. As the United Nations chart are saying, the voluntary of the people is the basis, is the fundamental of the authorities of the state. Legal not means just democratic. And once you are facing an authoritarian state, it doesn't matter if a state recognizes it as a democracy or not, because authoritarianism is not reserved only for certain countries, but is a danger, is a risk for the whole planet. So you would you now define the Spanish state as authoritarian as a result of the way that it's treated your efforts to yes, hold that referendum? Yes, concerning the Catalan crisis, the attitude from the Spanish state is clearly, we can describe that attitude as an authoritarian. Because it's not authoritarian to put dissident, political dissidents in jail, in pre-trial jail, since more than a year, only for organizing a referendum. That is a sign of authoritarianism. In that case, you are allowed to defining the fundamentals of democracy. And once democracy or freedom is in danger, it doesn't matter if in Catalonia, is in Poland, is in Hungary, or is in Turkey, or in Russia, that concerns you. That will affect you. So we feel we are forced to defend the fundamental values of democracy. I remember very well the days after the attempted referendum last year. And one of the things that occurred there were Chinese representatives in Brussels asking the question, if in Spain peaceful voters or protesters can be beaten up, is that now the policy and the approach of the EU? And then the question becomes, if that can take place on European territory, how can a European politician then step onto Chinese territory and raise human rights issues and criticize the Chinese regime? How did it make you feel to watch all of those events? 
the first reaction when I see Catalan's movement, I was quite excited. I, you know, I'm not either support or not support, but to have European citizens to exercise its political rights, you know, to extend its rights to certain kind of movement, is perfectly legitimate act in 21st century. So you cannot have a double standard when you're talking about human conditions or freedom of speech, especially in Europe. Of course, in past few years, we see so many unbelievable things happen almost every day. And not only they relate to human rights issues, but also relate to very fundamental values of how Europe is become a Europe or what is its own identity, and how do you define European values. So those issues are being challenged, and still we don't see a satisfying future or current situation. You know. So that means it takes a lot of people to defend those values. In every generation, you would have for fighters for freedom. This is not a given condition. Very often, it being mistakenly concept. You know, Europe has guaranteed values, which is not true. Every day, I need people to defend those values. I think one of the dangers for the European democracy is to have a double standard. This is a real risk. The double standard concerning the attitude from the states of the European Union regarding the fundamental rights. The European Court of Human Rights has issued a decision concerning a Turkish MP from the pro-Kurdish party, saying it's not in the frame of the Convention of Human Rights to put elected parliamentary for more than a year in a trial prison, because that violated fundamental rights. Well. That is the case of the five Catalan prisoners who are elected members of the Catalan parliament and are still in jail, in a pre-trial jail, two of them for more than a year. So we'll see a double standard in that case also. That is a real risk. But you are right. The dialogue is the only tool we can use in order to resolve troubles the most intelligent way to solve troubles is to prevent it. When you need to start a peace process, you are too late. So the dialogue is the tool. A former prominent liberal Spanish politician told me one day in Madrid, after my conference in Madrid, demanding again a dialogue with the Spanish government in order to organize a referendum, I said the sentence that I share the right to not dialogue, it doesn't exist in a democratic system. We must do dialogue. And for that dialogue could generate benefits, first you must to recognize the other. That is the basis of dialogue, to recognize. And to create the conditions to allow the possibility to have a real and a deep dialogue. Can you accept compromise as part of that dialogue? If you were offered more autonomy, if there could be a consensus in the Catalan parliament to achieve more autonomy with the regional statute, but fall short of 
independence. Is that something you can rally behind? When you participate in a dialogue, in an honest dialogue, there is no red lines. And you must accept, if you finish finding an agreement, obviously you will move from your initial position. But finally, the decision concerns to the Catalan people. That is our proposal. Are Catalan people the right to decide their future? It doesn't matter if it's independence or federalism or confederation or to remain with the current statu quo. It doesn't matter. I think dialogue is a modern process for democracy, and this is probably the only form. And I think the demonstration or even is also a form of dialogue because you, the other forms are being stopped. And I even think revolution is part of a dialogue. Mm -hmm. So I think if it's very hard to believe Europe still hold political prisoners. By every definition, those nine people being put in jail for a year without trial is political prisoners. And do you see any difference between how they are treated and how there's dissidents no in China are treated? There's no difference. China can make people, little differences, they can make people disappear, you know. Of course, it's in jail. They never really disappear. They're in jail. But that kind of pre-trial can last for years. That certainly is kind of punishment. And if you cannot openly discuss those issues, you cannot call yourself a democratic society. If any other European states don't not supporting or not defending those very basic values, so what kind of society we think our Europe is in? You know, it's very dangerous, actually. You cannot allow things like this happen in the family like Europe, you know, because it's simply against every value. I don't think any ideas should be censored, you know, unless it's totally against humanity, of course. But openly discuss and to have this kind of... Um, clear relations to our past. It's better than hiding things. But it's very ironic. You allowed this kind of Nazi uh, movement, but trying to stop the democratic outcry. This is very ironic. You're nodding. Did you have another yeah. reaction? Yes, because, well, it's, it's ironic, of course, and it's more serious than that, because People who are protecting the ballot boxes, people who are organizing a referendum, are in jail. And people who talk to the fascist demonstrations are protected. That it's, we want to live in a different democracy. For us, that is not a sign of exemplary democracy. I, had, I heard one of the story that it just struck me as not poetic. I don't want to give it that title, but Catalans who were banned from supporting the attempt at the referendum last year couldn't do things like supply the ballot papers, the ballot boxes, and things like that. So if I understand it correctly, the organizers had to turn to Chinese companies and operations. So <laughs> the idea of the companies of a one-party state supplying the tools of democracy because the citizens of a democracy are banned from participating in the process, it's Maybe it's fast, maybe it's something else, but it's interesting. It's very interesting because Chinese state, after 70 years, established this government. There's no, you know, it's 1.34 billion people. There's no one single citizen 
in three, four generations ever see a voting ticket. They simply don't know what is voting ticket. You know, not even talk about the voting box. Today, when he told me this story, I said, ah, you know, that's very interesting. I like to collect one, you know, because no, simply in China, nobody ever knows this ever existing. And uh, you see the relationship between the so-called people's government and the people. You know, they never really trust their own people. Most interesting is when I make an artwork, I want to make uh, some, I was involved with this refugee situation, so I tried to make uh, this kind of rubber boat, which, you know, figures of refugees under the boat. So we went to a Chinese company, we said, you know, we, because China is fast and uh, cheaper labor, we said we want to make it, so they said, uh, Okay, but the time is uh, quite tight. I said, why? He said, because we got a large order. I said, what? You know, this rubber boat, how can you get a large order from where? They said, from Turkey. So I realized all those refugees we are filming, taking boat from Turkey to Lesbos, is the same company we are making the artworks. So you see, things are connected so ironically. You're two men who are prevented from voting on the places and the passions that you most care about, but we're in a country that has compulsory voting. So everyone else in this room is obliged to vote when it comes to an election. And that made me think that there are some in Europe who don't directly value their vote in the way that others who lack it would value it. So we think of the European Parliament elections that will take place next year. For eight elections in a row, the turnout has gone down. But the situation is so severe in some countries, including Slovakia, Czech Republic, and so on, less than 20% vote. In fact, in Slovakia, 13% vote. So only one in seven turn out to vote. As people who would wish for that right, how does it make you feel to see that fragility or that complacency about democracy? Well, voting, I think, is just one ignorance or one of the democracy. It takes a lot more. Who or what is the biggest threat to democracy today in the world? You've got a lot of options to choose from here. Well, of course, if the chief of the Interpol is not safe, no one could be safe in our world. That is one of the threats. And I wrote some figures that the last Davos summit this year has expressed in a document called Renew Europe, expressing the worrying about the future of Europe. And there are figures that could make us very worried about the European Union. For example, the only 42% of the European citizens think their voices count in the European Union. And there is a clear increasing of authoritarianism. And there is a lack of commitment in the young people to democracy than the oldest people. So there is a problem. And also, when you ask uh, supporting for a strong leader who does not have to bother with parliament and elections, in Spain is 40%. European democracy has no clear leadership against that danger that comes from, for example, China, who now has spent a lot of money in artificial intelligence, intelligence artificial. In order to create a leadership that allows democracy to manage technological tools. Because if not, the most serious threatening is to have not intimacy, to have not 
privacy. No respect our identity, our privacy. And uh, you can see now China installing the cameras around the country using biometric technology to follow all citizens in their life. That is the most serious danger for the future. And European democracy must to have a leadership saying technology could help us to improve democracy, but we must to have a democratic governance over technology. I think technology gives more benefit to especially internet and empowers individuals. Of course, the state always trying to use that for control. But I think still, we cannot always blame the power. Power always, by nature, is trying to stay in power and by any means necessary. But as an individual, I think we only can blame ourselves. Any society, any development has to come back to the well-being of an individual. You know? So I think it's a really important question, but really we have to really ask ourselves. In fact, I would then ask a follow-up question is, do you think democracy can survive? Can enough individuals achieve that understanding and then act on it collectively to ensure that we are still talking about a democracy? I, I think years time. democracy only survives when it has a chance to change itself. You know, we should see democracy as a form. It has ability to adjust itself to new conditions. If we're lacking to find a new language, a new definition, then democracy will die, just like any other political form. One of the challenges for the next time is if we only see the progress of humanity in terms of economical progress, we will fail to defend democracy. Because now, the non-democratic countries are showing they are able to increase the GDP and to extend the benefits for the, all of the citizens. And Europe must continue to be the center, the most important space to defend human rights. And that means, for example, how we are treating refugees. Our relation with the climate change and the risk of climate change and nothing to do directly with the economical growing. If we only discuss about economical growing, the public debt, we will fail. Maybe one final question that brings it back more to the personal. I'm going to make a prediction. I don't think you're the last dissident. I think that, in fact, there might be many more that follow because the situation is getting worse for people who question authority in a range of different categories. So if there's many more like you in the coming years, what would be your advice to them? What helps you stay strong as somebody who faces persecution and who has to either live in exile or, or live in some other moderated form in order to, to continue to fight? Every time you look yourself in the mirror, you recognize yourself. It doesn't matter if you are right or not, if you succeed or not, but you must be honest and not an egoist working for yourself, but looking for the new generations. I think you find um, your own personal life, find your own joy, and find to try to define it. And, but in the public life, you always ask for justice. I think 
that you have to believe that justice and fairness would benefit everyone. So for that, you're willing to contribute an individual power to the public condition. I want to now ask you all to offer a round of applause to our two panelists. Um, Next up, it is the podcast panel. All our special effects worked. You just heard some beautiful Oscars-like music because we are here to introduce to you the Golden Tayanis, the EU Confidential <laughs> Special Awards of 2018 with my co-presenters, Alva Finn and Lena Abarus. I'm so happy to be here. Just imagine us in like, I'm in a velvet jacket. Alva is in a ball gown. I think that's your usual attire, yes, isn't obviously. it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to grab my dress. Don't worry. Okay. Don't fall. No, no. no. With no. the heels, of course. Exactly. <laughs> no one likes a long award ceremony, so we're going to dive right into it. We're going to start with the man who we are honoring through these awards with Best Live Broadcast. I think that the nominee has got to be Antonio Tajani for his wonderful focus on promoting himself at a time of crisis during Strasbourg shooting. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know what they were thinking to have it alive. I mean, inside the parliament, there was nothing happening. The people, they were scared and suffering were in the streets of Strasbourg. And we as an audience, we would have been more interested to know really. There was something happening. There was a lot of people being confused and getting potentially wrong information from DG SAFE, the safety department of the parliament. So that was going on at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, but it it didn't need that President Tajani would go live to give us like life. I mean, but it's nice. You can have an extra job, you know, after the election. You never know. He might be like in one of the... Back in television. That's where he started. Next up, best hair and makeup. Uh, who are we nominating, Alva? Oh, it's got to be Macron. <laughs> oh, well. We know that he's 40,000 euros <laughs> a month or but whatever it is. But it's working. Yeah, it is. It's, it, is it working? He's so uh, handsome. Maybe Come on. he should do like a no makeup day um, and then people <laughs> would be more relatable. I Hashtag. woke up like this. It's one of these challenges, yeah. you know? No makeup with a hashtag. Pas de maquillage, you Why know? doesn't he, like if he had some kind of like a bedspread made out of gilet jaune, like it can kind of like, that would be very interesting. <laughs> I don't know where best we were going costume. there. Best, best costume, yeah. exactly. Best costume, gilet yes. jaune. Yeah, yes. for yes. sure. For yeah. sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, best newcomer. Yeah, I was going to nominate, unfortunately, Salvini, because he really, like, smashed, broke Lena, his way onto the EU gonna stage. you crash tackle Alva off the stage before she can hand out that statue? Absolutely. Be careful, Alva. I'm going to push you now. <laughs> oh, wow. It's behind okay. the scenes. Let's go for something dirty. uplifting. Lifetime Achievement Award. It's got to be, be Merkel, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got to be Merkel. We couldn't have anyone better and yes she deserves it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. for bringing lots of peace well let's face it she's not going to win the best reform oscar this year so it's the only statue she's taking away tonight exactly now what about best referendum i think you might have been involved in one in ireland yes Alva. i was i'm gonna yeah i say i say uh, the abortion referendum in ireland which we won by a landslide uh, after a very successful feminist-led campaign what about best protest of course catalonia 
Bum, bum. We're voting for Romania on this side of the table. Yeah, well, and then I think that like worst maybe goes to the Gilets Jaunes because they've really taken the violent protest a little bit too far, I think. What about best backlash, speaking of the Gilets Jaunes? They might, they might be the best backlash winners, I'm afraid. Macron, yeah. I mean, that was a bit of a bounce in the polls. Yeah. I mean, a bounce downwards, you know, when the bounce goes up and then it goes down. Um, yeah. yeah. Boom. Boom. Dropping to the floor his approval ratings. What about best ensemble cast? I'm recalling the G20 summit and Angela Merkel dominating the men. It's one of the highlights uh, for, I don't know, Alva, I, but I think it's one to push us as women leaders. Mm, I, yeah. I would never well, forget leader, that. There was only one of because that was only one, no? Yeah, well, <laughs> I was I, a bunch one. Of men. It was, yeah, when it was very interesting. I think that's definitely going to be one of the images oh, of 2018. On. Yeah, no? well, I mean, obviously, apart from the bouquet toss at my wedding. Oh. Because <laughs> that, that was a Renaissance yeah. painting. Wedding I've of never the year, seen so Ryan much emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. definitely. Take, take it. I'll take that one. I'll take that <laughs> Two one. Two weddings of the year. Yeah. Two well, weddings of the year. Weddings of the year. I'm going to put the second one part in for one, next year's nomination. What about best scandal? <gasps> we got a Selmayergate nomination. Uh, yeah, we couldn't go so. wrong here. The, the the gift that keeps on giving, actually, at the moment, because <laughs> it seems like it's in the news quite often. The commission responding. Not all the facts were given, even though the ombudsman had gone into the office and taken all of the documents that they allowed her to take. So I don't know. I think that we'll hear more from that in 2000. But she never asked for an interview with Martin Selmayer. And you're like, well, maybe he should ask her. I knew she was hunting around. Like, Mm. he could have very easily found her. What about special effects? I remember a flying lady and some absolutely terrible saxophone playing at the NATO summit. Oh, yeah. It was a sad moment as well when President Juncker fell ill and he couldn't walk. Is that uh, the best actor award or is that the special effects award? I think it's a special effects award because he added a lot to the drama. You know, with a finale. I think, I don't know, I I don't think it could have pulled focus from what was an extraordinary display from the Belgians. A Magritte-themed extravaganza with a woman flying around in a, like a hot air balloon. It was incredible. And all these men playing uh, brass instruments dressed as It was so amazing. We're going to play some of that music as the outro music of this episode. (laughs) And I think maybe we need to wrap it up now with best costume. I'm nominating Pedro Sanchez for his cardigans. Of course. I give my vote to, to Pedro Sanchez for Is that, that for a costume or for something else Lena? as a whole package I think <laughs> we can say the best package yes. he's the whole package what about Theresa May's you know strong and stable look we gotta give her actually something. we have to give her best uh, shoes style she really has very extraordinary shoes she does those, those yeah. kitten heels there yeah, yeah. There's always yeah. striking about her there shoes. There you go, Theresa May. You might not have a deal. You might not have a majority. In fact, you might not even have a job by the time people listen to this. But you're definitely getting the Best Heels Award <laughs> at the Tayanis for 2018. Oh, yeah. I love the Tayanis. It's the, one of my favorite moments of the year. I think Tayani is going to have a different opinion. But <laughs> there you go. What changes here at EU Confidential? Alva Finn, Lena Abarus, thank you so much for a wonderful 2018. And most of all, thank you to everyone who joins the podcast each week because we love uh, doing this for you and we love the back and forth we get with you and we're going to come back bigger and better in 2019. As always, podcasting is a team effort, so that means a very special holiday thanks to Anya Bunker, Andrew Gray and Weidong Lin.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.